Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. If you got your Bibles, go with me to Exodus chapter 1, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12. We have been preaching a lot for several weeks about Moses and the children of Israel and being in Egypt and their, you know, the Passover lamb and their passing over from Egypt, you know, through the Red Sea. And there was a little verse that a few weeks ago really grabbed a hold of me. And so I just, I put it in my phone just to remember it. But about a week ago, the Lord began to speak to me. And I want to share with you this morning. It, it's so hard for me to convey. We can preach lots of messages that are true and that are good. But so many times God just gives a right now word for what people are going through. There is no way for me to convey to you the weight that I feel in the spirit about the value of this morning. There are people sitting here right now that one hour from now, you are going to have a completely different outlook in your life than you came in here with. You you know how you can learn all kinds of information, but sometimes you'll hear Sometimes you'll hear one sentence. You'll hear, you'll hear a thing, and a, a switch just flips in your head. And all of a sudden, it's not just something new you've learned. You've, you've adopted a new belief. Like, oh, all of a sudden, I can hear my cousin Emily doing it like that. Oh. You can hear this go off in your head, and you're like, that... And you begin to filter your life through that. Yeah. The next thing, the next thing you go through, you don't respond like you did last time. You're like, no, I just learned this. Like I do it this way now. I feel like what I'm getting ready to tell you that you have a row, maybe rows, of light switches that are all in one position and that while we're preaching that the Holy Ghost is going to run in and go and just mess your switches up. Are you ready for this? Why don't don't you throw your hands in the air and say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes. Fill me with truth. Help me to hear you. Change everything. In Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. So this verse flipped a switch for me. The Israelite children were in slavery to the Egyptians, and the new Pharaoh that didn't know anything about Joseph was intimidated by the number of Israelites that there were and was afraid that they would rise up and take over. So he decided to afflict them. He decided to enslave them and to afflict them, and he decided to add weight to their lives. He decided to add more work that they would not have any time to devise a plan 
He said, if I can busy them with enough stuff, if I can add enough exhaustion, they won't be able to work against me. Exodus 1 and 12 says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they, the Egyptians, were grieved because of the children of Israel. The more the enemy afflicted the children of God, the more they multiplied. The more that he added, the more that they grew. The more the enemy tried to grieve them, the more the enemy was grieved. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this word. I have no ability to bring this word without your help and without your anointing. Father, I ask that you would fill me afresh and share your heart with the heart of the people today. And I give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. That should have been a switch for somebody already about what you're going through. The more... They afflicted them the more they multiplied, the more they grew. There is something inside of God's people. Do we have some of God's people here today? Through every shortcoming, through every failure, through every struggle, through every fault, something bears witness in your spirit that says, I may not be where I want to be, but I know that I'm a child of God. I know that Jesus is mine. I know I belong to him. There is something inside of God's people that when the enemy tries to stop us, we end up increasing more than we would have without the attack. There's something inside of God's people that when the enemy tries to stop us, instead of stopping, we actually go further than we would have than if he had just left us alone. The enemy of your soul has all kinds of information. He's been watching this thing for a very long time. But it doesn't make sense to me because if he had any sense, at this point, he would leave the children of God alone for 7,000 years every time that he tries to stop the people of God, every time that he tries to stop God, it does not work out in the favor of the enemy. Looks like he would stop. There's something inside of us that attack only grows us that it attack only increases us, that attack only multiplies us, that attack only strengthens us, that we always come out better. Paul said it like this in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him... We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We know that grace is supernatural endowment of strength to help us to do what we could not do. Paul says, not only do we have forgiveness, but we have this grace that makes us stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. 
Here's why we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We learn that attack and trial and tribulation and trouble and persecution, we learn that the produce of that, that the product of that, that the fruit of that, that the thing that is gained through that is patience and endurance and character and hope. These things give you character you didn't have. These things give you patience and endurance that you did not have. These things end up giving you a greater hope and a greater faith that you did not have before. I get stuff. Ashley, give me just a little, just a little slice more. I get stuff from tribulation that is hard for me to get without tribulation. You hear me? There are things that the child of God longs for, that an, an honest, sincere child of God longs for. We long to be closer to him. We long to look more like him. We want to be more like him. But being more like him requires a crucifixion. Jesus, I want to be like you. Mold me and make me into your image. He says, okay, here's a crucifixion. You say, how about another way? We say, Lord, let this cup pass from me. He says, let this cup pass if possible, but if it's not possible, whatever your will. When we crave to be more like Jesus, when we want to be more like him, the Bible says that tribulation produces more patience, more character, more endurance, and more hope. I get stuff from trials and tribulations that I would have had a hard time getting without trial and tribulation. Your trial is a gift. I'm not telling you that God did it, but I'm telling you that you get to decide what to do with it. Come on. You get to decide how you're going to deal with it, how you're going to handle it. You get to determine if it's a curse or a blessing. You get to turn it in to whichever one you want. This is what came up in my spirit this past week. Listen, I love Jesus and I ask big. I'm asking God for a lot of big stuff. I'm asking him big to look like him. I'm asking him big to be closer to him. I am asking him big to do something for him in this earth. I am asking him big for souls. I am asking him big for this season of harvest. And in my own power, it would take me a long time to get where I'm going. But I realized this week that adversity is a shortcut to my destination. Yeah, not many, but a, but a couple. You got it? Some people today will get it. Some people will get it not at all. Some people will get it here, sort of, and there will be a handful that get it right down here and say, oh, adversity is the shortcut to my destination. There are some sitting in this room that what you have gone through, what you are going through, or what you're getting ready to go through, that down inside of you, a seed has been planted, that you are now pregnant with a word. You say, oh, 
This does not feel good, but adversity is the shortcut to my destination. You can go further faster with a battle. You can go further faster with a fight. What would have taken you years without a fight, God can work out inside of you in one season of the devil trying to stop you. What would have taken a long time, you can do it right now. What would have taken a long time, you can get fast in a hard time. If you'll do the right thing with the hard time. If you'll do less gabbing and more trusting. If you'll do more faith and less Facebook. If you'll do more faith and less fixing. If you let the joy of the Lord be your strength instead of you trying to strategize. If you will believe what God has said. If you will insist on resting in him and letting his spirit do what only his spirit can do. Instead of you worrying about what everybody's doing and everybody's saying. If you'd worry more about God's business and less about your business, God will take care of your business. We're slowly picking up a few more as this train gets moving. Pastor Vince, they're getting on. They're getting on. What would have taken years without a fight? God can work outside of you in one season. The devil trying to stop you. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, the apostle Paul, he had cried out to God three times for the affliction to stop. And this is what the Lord told him. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Oh, God, give me your strength. He says, fine, that's going to require some of your weakness. If you want more of me, you're going to have to go through a a weak time because that's the only way that this works. God, perfect your strength in me. He says, my strength is perfected in your weakness. We've been asking for a lot of things that we didn't know what we were asking for. And then when we find out what the Bible says, we don't like to go to that kind of church anymore. We just need one of them nice churches. We just need one of them nice places, and they just say, well, it's fine, and, you know. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. When Paul realized this, this is his response. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity. Paul said, I I, got (laughs) to, Stacy, Stacy has been on since the train pulled out this morning. (laughs) She is on board. Paul said, I look at it different. Paul said, the thing that I used to beg that God would take it away, now that's the thing that I glory in. The thing that I used to say, God, you got to get rid of this or it's going to kill me, is the thing that I now say, thank you, God, for giving me this because it's killing me. We are called to die daily. We are called to deny self. The message of the world right now is find out who you really are and be that. The Bible says who you really are is a mess. Deny that. Crucify the flesh daily and take up your cross and follow me. The world is looking to live where God's children are supposed to be looking to die. And the world is trying to kill stuff that God is trying to resurrect. It's all, it's all backwards. Paul said he figured it out. He said, no, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in the infirmity. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, I have figured out that the power of Christ rests on me in my weakest times. I realize the power of God when there is none of me left. 
As long as there's some, some of me left, I'm still trying to be cute. But when there is nothing left, when I have nothing, when I realize what I am not, the only thing left is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmity. I take pleasure in my reproach. This is when somebody ruins your reputation. This is when you don't look like you wanted to look. I don't care what people think about me. Really, you take 15 selfies before you pick which one to put on Facebook. Looks like we are quite full of ourselves and interested in what people think. We care even about what they look, what we look like, which the Bible would call vanity. Reproaches when our image is tarnished. When they don't think what we wanted them to think. Or when we don't act like what we wish we were. Paul says, I'll, I'll glory in it. I'll glory in me dying. John said, I must decrease that he may increase. He said, I glory in my necessities. We get mad at God about our necessities. This means needs. We get mad at God and say, I paid my tithe. Why don't I? I'm killing stuff. Why don't I? Why didn't you come through for me? You came through for them. I gave money in the offering and I helped and I served. The apostle Paul says, I glory in my necessities. Paul said, when it looks like I don't have enough, I say, thank you, Jesus. I have to lean on you. I have to learn what it means to believe you. I have to learn what priorities are. I have to learn about what really matters. I'll have to learn about your idea of all sufficiency versus my idea of all sufficiency. I'm going to have to learn what matters to heaven more than what matters to earth. Therefore, I take pleasure in persecution. Persecution. We think we're persecuted if somebody talks about us. But the apostles were beaten within an inch of their life and left dancing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. It's so quiet in here this morning. I take pleasure in my distresses. When we get stressed, we say, God, I thought you were supposed to fix this. Paul says, when I'm distressed, I take pleasure in it. Because it's buffeting me. It's buffeting. It's, it's sanding off of me what I thought mattered. It's stripping off the outside layer. See, it doesn't feel good to be stripped, but Paul said, I'll take pleasure in it. I can't take pleasure with my outside, but I'll take pleasure in it in my inside. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 12. I better finish this. Uh, I was going to move up, but I better finish this one. Uh, in my distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I want to read it to you in the, in the ESV. It just reads a little different. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. I am content with insults. Now, see, you want to fight somebody for an insult. It takes nothing to get you fired up. You are, you're ready. You're ready to fight. Paul said, I'm content with insults. 
Listen, if your haters haven't talked about you for a while, you're not doing anything. Paul said, if they insult me, let me know I'm still here. He said, I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships. I'm content with persecution. I'm content with calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So now, so now I realize that the thing I thought would destroy me is actually a good thing. Somebody say, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. What I've been calling bad was good, or at least good for me. At least good for me. There are some things that you think that are good, but they're bad for you. And there are some things that you think are bad, but they're good for you. Say, I don't know how this could be good. They, They shouldn't have done this. Maybe not, but don't waste it. At least don't let it be in vain. Maybe it's horrible what happened to you. So take that thing, flip the script, and make it something good for you. Now I realize it's a good thing when the psalmist said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. There's your Bible promise. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord does deliver out of them all. And I'll tell you this. Not only does he deliver out of them all, I have found that the way he delivers out of them all is through. Can't go around it. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Got to go through it. And then when I look at these, what the Bible would call light afflictions, because none of us have strived unto blood, A lot of what we call really bad is nothing to what some of our brothers and sisters are facing in the Ukraine. And I remember that even Job came out with twice as much. Job went through, and man, did he go through. If you think you're going through something special and unique that nobody can understand, just ask God if you can trade it for Job's affliction. And if you can't do that, shut up. If you don't want to ask for Job's affliction instead, then just do this. Then just do this. But even Job came out with twice as much. Job went through and then God said, "Ah, Job. And that is our God. And gave him twice as much. Listen to what God said through the prophet Isaiah to the Israelites in Isaiah 61, for your shame, has anybody ever tried to shame you? Has anybody ever tried to lie about you? Has anybody ever tried to drag your name through the mud? For your shame, you shall have double. You shall have double. See, I'm not trying to lay up rewards here. I'm laying, if you want to be seen now, you better join something else. You better follow some other kind of plan. But the Bible says to lay up treasure in heaven where rust cannot corrupt and moth cannot eat. For your shame, you shall have double. And for the confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, the Lord, love judgment. God loves judgment. God is not cool with people working against his people. God is not cool with people working against his work. God is not cool with people taking advantage of folks. God is not cool with people preying upon the vulnerable and the innocent. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And he offers provision and protection for his children. So now I know that it is a good thing. Now I am thanking God for the fight. The thing that I used to complain about 
I find myself actually saying, thank you, Jesus, because I'm going to have character that I didn't have. I'm going to have hope that I did not have. I'm going to have patience that I did not have. I'm going to have endurability like I have never had. I am thanking God for the fight. I am glorying in my infirmities. My hater is becoming my elevator. I am going higher because of what they did. I'm going to go further than if it had not happened. You tried to kill me, but instead I keep going higher while you keep playing carnal games and destroying yourself. Psalm 57, they set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. This is only one time of several that God promised that the trap that they set for you, that they will be ensnared by the thing that they set before you. Psalm 23 and 5, Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. We are promised fights. We are promised battles. We are promised struggling. We are promised attack and adversity and trial and tribulation and persecution. This is all part of the package. Somebody should have told you when you signed up. But a lot of people came in this thing on false pretenses because somebody told them, uh, you're sad. Here, Jesus is the fixer. Invite him into your heart, and now you're happy, and he gets rid of your problems. And they lied to you. Because really, we were, we were carnal, rebellious, wicked sinners running hard against God. And by his mercy, he forgave us and grafted us in and made us his. We have changed the gospel. We have watered down the gospel. We have degraded the gospel and made it this self-help thing that it's a, uh, that it's a key for just comforting you so you can do whatever you want to do. But for the child of God, it's very different. Because your insides line up with heaven instead of earth now. You no longer agree with the worldview. You no longer agree that anything goes. You no longer agree that this is your body, your choice. While the Bible says, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and it's his and you are not your own. If you're you're touting my body, my choice, that's fine, but you got to do it outside. You can't be part of the church of Jesus Christ and do it because that's not what the church of Jesus Christ does. So here we're going to go through things. Here we are going to fight with the powers that be, principalities of darkness and powers in high places. But thank God the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So God shows up in the midst of my fight, and the war became my wisdom, and the attack became my advantage, and the battle became my benefit, and now I'm better for the battle. Romans 8 and 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. This, Pastor Vince, this verse would have been a great verse if it would have said, in all these things we are conquerors. But it didn't say that. It said, in all these things we are more. Than, how how could you be more than a conqueror? You either win or you lose. You either didn't, you were either conquered or you were the conqueror. But he says more than conquerors. Now that, that's not in there to sound pretty. That's not in there to preach nice. That's because there is a way to be more than a conqueror. We are conquerors plus. You see, I did not just make it through the battle. 
I got something out of it. Not only did I survive, I brought home souvenirs. My battalion called it a war tour, but I'm calling it a sightseeing expedition. What you tried to do to kill me, I'm turning it into a vacation and bringing home memories to look back and say, oh, and then we were over here, and then we were here, and then this giant tried to stop us, but we threw a rock between his eyes, and we cut his head off, and I've got it here on this sword to parade around, and then we went over here, and they, they threw us into the lions, but now I've got this beautiful rug, and everywhere that you go, you're turning your trial and your trouble into triumph. I saw you get them springs in your knees, Paul. There's going to be a time coming in the soon future. This whole congregation is going to have springs in their knees. You're not going to be able to stay in your seats as you're not worried about what anybody thinks about you jumping up and screaming because God is the only one that's brought you through. Not only did I survive, I brought home souvenirs. I didn't just conquer, I confiscated I didn't make that up to be cute. I got Bible. Exodus 12 and 35. Children of Israel getting ready to be delivered from Egypt. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed. You got to do it like this. Borrowed. Because they weren't bringing them back. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and their raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of Egyptians so that they lent unto them things such as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. They took it all. Just like the children of Israel Come on, somebody. Not only did God deliver them from Egypt, but they took Egypt's stuff with them on the way out. I'm going to take everything the devil used against me and turn it into my promotion. It'll be the only time in my life you hear me thanking the devil. And I'll say, thank you, devil, for some rubble that I can use to climb up a little higher. I wouldn't have had this rock to stand on if you hadn't thrown it at me. Thank you for the rock. Thank you for the sword. Thank you for the spear. Because now I got some stuff. It's not that he never devises anything against you. It's just that Isaiah said that no weapon that is formed against me will prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I will condemn. And it wasn't just for them because he said, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. It is my heritage that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It is the legacy I walk in that stuff rises against me, but it cannot overtake me. You see, we have been looking at our struggle all wrong. We've been looking at our struggle all wrong. We've been asking the wrong questions. You know, what are the, what are the five questions? Who, what, where, when, and why? Nick News W5, come on. With Linda Ellerby. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, thank God. Who, what, where, when, and why? We, we always ask, depending on the situation, it, it changes. If we're talking about somebody, we don't say a what, we say a who. If we're wondering a reason, we don't say who, we say why. If you're wondering about a time frame, you say when. If you're wondering how it works, you say how. And so we change the who, what, where, when, and why, depending on what we're talking about. Now, sometimes those words work multiple words for the same situation, depending on what you're wanting to get out of your question. But we have been asking the wrong questions. Because every time that we get into a battle, we want to know how can I get out? <laughs> whenever the fight comes, whenever the struggle comes, we say, God, how can I get out of this? Are you with me? God, I'm looking for an escape route. 
God, I'm looking for a trap door. God, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a back entry. God, I'm looking for a way around. I don't really want to go up that way. If you could maybe give me something over here. We say, God, how can I get out? How can I get out? And then when those doors don't open, then we say, well, uh, when can I get out of this battle? It changes from how can I get out of this battle to when can I get out of this battle? We say, well, God, I'm here and I guess what it is, but how long is it going to take? God, I don't know how much more I can stay. I just, and the focus is out of this battle, out of this battle, out of this battle. How can I get out of this battle? When can I get out of this battle? What can I do this this battle? So we've been asking how, we've been asking when, but the problem is we have our question all wrong because we were not supposed to say, how can I get out of this battle? We're not supposed to say, when can I get out of this battle? We were supposed to be saying, what can I get out of this battle? What can I get out of this battle? The moment your question changes, your life changes. The moment your question changes, your peace changes. The moment your question changes, your joy changes. The moment your question changes, your direction changes. You see, how and when say this is hurting me, but what says this is going to help me? The one says, this is a bad thing. I got to get out. But what says, oh, a battle? What exactly could I use? What exactly could I take with me? What can I take advantage of while I am here? I I, I think it might have been Teddy Roosevelt that said, never waste a good crisis. Listen, that's my life theme. Never waste a good crisis. Never waste a good tragedy. I've gotten real good at turning tragedies into stuff and making them work for me. Say, oh, you want to talk about that? I'll just put that in the newspaper. Maybe somebody will show up at the church. Come on. It's like making millionaires out of the Great Depression. More, more American millionaires were birthed out of the Great Depression than any other time in history because some people said, they didn't say, when can I get out of the Depression? They did not say, how can I get out of the Depression? They looked at the situation. They said, this is what it is. What could I get out of this Depression? And you need to turn the tables on the enemy of your soul and say, what can I get out of this battle? What can I use? What can I use? You see, I'm not looking to get out of the battle. I'm looking to get something out of the battle. I'm not looking to just survive. I'm looking to win. I am looking to win this thing. And I'm not even just looking to win. I am looking to demolish the enemy's whole camp and set all the hostages free. Because while the enemy thinks that he has me running around in circles being scared, I'm drawing a map of all of his territory and say, oh, he keeps this over here, and he keeps this over here, and I ran into this guy that thinks he's on that team, but I think he really wants set free. I'm going to start praying for him by name. I'm going to pray for them by name. I'm going to pray for them by name. I'm going to invite them to church. I'm making a map of the enemy's camp. I'm not just going to win. I'm going to take all your stuff, devil. I'm coming back into your camp. I'm taking your people. I'm taking your weapons. And I'm using it all for the glory of the Lord. More than a conqueror. He told Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set thee over nations and kingdoms. And here's why. To root out to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. I'm not looking to be all peaceable. Jesus said, I come with a sword. He said, I, he said you think I came for peace? He said, I came with a sword. I'm looking to tear the devil's kingdom down. 
I am, le- I am looking to leave a mark on this earth when I leave. I am looking to fill heaven. I'm not trying to make it through just without being noticed so nobody messes with me. Mess with me. But I'm going to tell everybody I encounter about the bloodstained cross of Jesus Christ that they can be set free and live forever. What you have to understand is that we are not civilians anymore. We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. Soldiers don't try to figure out how to get out of battles. You better hope that our U.S. soldiers are not over somewhere trying to figure out how to get out of battles. They're there to battle. If somebody's, if somebody's called to be a soldier, if you're part of an army, you better hope the soldiers are not looking to get out of battle. And the Bible said you're a soldier and you're, look, you're trying to get out of all the battles. Soldiers don't try to figure out ways to get out of battles. Soldiers wait for the voice of their commanding officer and march forward. Paul said to Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness. Endure it. Oh, Pastor, I'm going through a hard time. What am I supposed to do? Endure it. How am I supposed to handle this? Take it. Take it. Get your eyes on Jesus. Stand on the promises. Speak the word of God out loud out of your mouth and quit speaking the devil. I don't know about all that speaking God's word. Well, you've been speaking the God of this world's word. It looks like it'd be okay to shut him off and start saying what God says, agreeing with the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Get the word of God in your mouth and use it like a mighty sword. In this battle going through, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Oh God, I just can't handle the spiritual battle. I got things to deal with over here. Nobody in a war gets messed up with the things of the world and everything else that's going on. Why? so that they may please the one that chose them to be a soldier. If I'm trying to get out of everything that comes against me so that I can keep up with whoever's on the cover of whatever magazine and whoever won this contest, and we know more about Hollywood than we know about the kingdom. We know more about Will and Jada than we do about, come on, Abraham and Sarah. Why don't you close People Magazine, open up the Bible. We're not civilians anymore. This battle doesn't feel good. Your battle is none of your business. Another switch. Told you. Your fight is none of your business. Your struggle is none of your business. The only business you have in this battle is obedience. Your battle is none of your business. Your only business in the battle is obedience. Get your eyes off of people. Get your eyes off of yourself. Get your eyes off of what folks are saying. Get your eyes off of earth. And get your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. 
and let him do something with this battle for the kingdom. Your job is not at the Pentagon. Your job is on the front line. You are not part of the planning committee. You, you, you were not part of the conference of the generals. You were not part of the strat. You're on a need-to-know basis. And if you need to know this part in order to do it, he will tell you. And if he ain't telling you, you don't need it. God, will you just tell me? God, just explain it. If he's not explaining it, then you don't need it. If you're asking God to explain stuff and he's not explaining it, obviously he thinks that your faith and trust is a bigger issue right now than you knowing what's going on. So he's not going to work with you on what you're trying to work out. He's going to work with you on what he's trying to work out. And I'll tell you this, he's got a different plan right now for your life than what you have. God has a different purpose in the earth than what you have. God's end goal and your end goal look a little bit different. God is not trying to work out what you're trying to work out. The thing that you think matters right now more than anything, God doesn't think that matters more than anything. Pray ye therefore. Submit yourselves unto God. And in due season, he will exalt you. And you will be better for the battle. Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.